0: Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Paragsha from Arena Investors. Parag, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. Very excited. So tell me a bit about yourself and your background.
1: Professionally, I've been involved in investment management my whole career, mostly on the marketing side, all throughout that time with institutional investors. So institutional investors are like pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, endowments and foundations... In some cases, maybe some entities like a fund of funds. And so there are kind of people, if you have a pension and it's managed by a pension fund, but really distinct from direct interactions or the management of, of individual money or retail kind of money. And then also all on the alternative investment side. So not your traditional kind of fund that's you know picking kind of particular stocks or is only taking long positions, but really kind of the myriad of different asset classes and investment techniques and so forth. I started at Bridgewater Associates. I was an intern in 2001, and then I joined there full-time in 2002. The firm was a little over 100 people at that point. I had about 20, 25 billion in assets, but really 2 billion in kind of hedge fund assets. And I was there for 15 years. And when I left, the firm was like 120 billion in hedge fund assets. So it was a phenomenal seat and timing to be in through that process, ran their marketing effort the last nine or 10 years that I was there. And then in 2018, I joined Arena Investors, pursuing a different type of investment strategy, but also kind of in the alternative space, their head of marketing. So I've been there for a little over four years. And over that time, we've had a a good growth path.
0: Very cool. I love it. So let's talk about your views on current marketing strategies in investment management and how maybe they've changed recently in Q1 and Q2.
1: Well, so investment management itself is a very broad term. There's a lot of things that are encompassed in that. When you think about that, and not to digress too much, but when you look at the amount of money being managed across all of that stuff, I mean, even if you just take the 500 largest money managers in the world, they manage over $100 trillion of assets. And in markets, whenever you are making an investment, there's someone on the other side of that selling that to you, or you know, there's a buyer and there's a seller. It's not always the case that the buyer or the seller is really has a profit view in mind when they're making the buyer the sell. So if you have a you know business traveler going to the UK and spending money, they're not thinking about like how many dollars am I converting for pounds or whatever. But in general, there's kind of a winner and a loser in every trade that goes on. And so some people say the you know, markets are kind of zero sum. For every winner, there's a loser, whatever that is. But it's also a feature of markets generally that over the long-term, they go up. Based on capitalism, if you know my dollar today is worth more than the dollar tomorrow, and so if I'm gonna lend it to you or give it to you or invest with you, you're gonna make something out of it and it's gonna grow or you're gonna pay me interest or whatever. And so markets in general, not always, but kind of over longer time periods kind of go up. And so if you think about what I just said, you know the, nece- the 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 necessity to manage large and large amounts of money tends to become relying on the market returns versus necessarily trying to be a winner a lot of what is out there investment products even alter- even things that are kind of dubbed as alternatives a big com- not that you know people are putting their own value added on it and there are good ways to kind of do that and to incrementally add value, but a lot of what you're investing in is really driven by what's happening with the markets. The question is when you're talking about investment management marketing, are you on the side of trying to win or are you on the side of creating a good investment that intrinsically is going to have some value added to it and really what the insight is that you're marketing? But if you look at kind of this year so far, almost every market is down. Right. And there's a lot of uncertainty of what's ahead. If you're in the packaging bucket, not to be disparaging to it, but if you're in the kind of packaging bucket, your insights are going to be kind of limited on what you do. And your shift in marketing strategy into this year, you're kind of hamstrung by that. Right. And it really comes down to look over the long term and these kinds of things happen. And, you know, investors do don't do well trying to time the ups and the downs, look at the long-term returns and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're on the trying to win side, then you're really talking about having insight. And I think right now, if that is the case, and if you are winning, and if that is based on insight, the thing that you see a lot of investment management firms doing rightly is they're playing offense right now. And they're playing offense in varying ways, but it's all around, look, you know, this is our unique view on the world or way of capitalizing on the world or way of weathering when there are storms or whatever it may be. So I think that's, anyway, my current views.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So one of the things you've mentioned is differentiation and, you know, kind of using that as an approach to marketing. So uh, let's talk about that, you know, your your marketing approach to potential investors and, you know, how, uh, you know, you serve content to these folks and all this stuff.
1: The content, as I said, has to be based on insight. And it's also one of those things, you know, the annoying thing when someone says, tell me a joke or like, do something creative. It's not really something you can conjure up. Insight isn't something that you could just say, okay, let me be insightful right now. You kind of, you know, you either have it or, or you don't. You know, I think we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but when you think about investment management on the institutional side, it is a, interestingly, an area and an activity- that is still very old school it hasn't really modernized or revolutionized relative to what it was you know decades ago if not hundreds of years ago so it's a lot of you know one on one meetings it's a lot of investors wanting to really deeply understand from a content perspective what you do get comfortable kind of understand the insight and it's a lot of building trust because ultimately you know you 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 never you can never know And, you know, I'll say past performance is not indicative of future returns is very true. You can't realize the past track record. So it's really a matter of having confidence and having trust. Now, that said, I do think that this space has evolved a lot beyond kind of, you know, just really presentations, you know, one-on-one and in conferences and, you know, kind of PowerPoint decks that, you know, now you're seeing content dissemination a lot more through different forms so whether that's podcasts or videos or animated videos or whether that's interactive media or interactive data different visualizations of data i think you're seeing real change and there has been over a long period of time also in the ways you can get that out to the world more than just through the one-on-one discussions i think the approach is really a very classical marketing approach like anything else just the particulars applied to the area i'm in which is figure out who your target market is, understand basically where you are going to fit and not fit with those different potential clients. And then you go out there and you spread the word and get brand awareness and figure out, you know, who's who's a candidate and work through that. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully there are sales on the other side of that.
0: Absolutely. So you said, uh, you know, your content is based on insights. How do you research and plan that content? Is it like, hey, let's look at the insights? We've had recently and then build content around it how does that work
1: yeah well insight is insight, but i think it money management one of the reasons i love it obviously i'm biased but one of the reasons i really love it is one on the institutional side you're talking about clients and potential clients who are very smart because to manage the sums of money that these pensions and sovereigns and so forth have that is a big undertaking but also the great thing to me about money management is just it is such a dynamic and multifaceted field, right? The markets are always changing. You thought they were boring last year; they'll change up and give you a different year like this year. It's a complex system, and it's not just the math of the situation. There's psychology involved. There's history. There's lots of different, um, you know, kind of perspectives and 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 um, you know, sort of uh, uh, frameworks all coming together. And so, um, you know, to some extent you know, just being cognizant of the world and kind of having a perspective on all the, or at least having a knowledge of the things, all the things that are kind of big things that are going on is one big way that you do that. Because again, ultimately insight is insight. You may have insight to speak about something you may not, but really that backdrop and, and the ever-changing landscape are constantly giving people plenty of things by the way, that are both investment and kind of non-investment related. So right now there's a lot that there's a lot that people want to talk about and hear from people as it relates to the market environment, inflation, you know, where do people think the, 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 how do they think this is all going to kind of get worked through? What is the implication for investments, for portfolios, et cetera. But there are also important topics like ESG and making sure that portfolios have the right impact on the world. And uh, ESG is environmental, social and governance considerations in investing. So and other governance topics that may be even further non market based or non investment based. And so I think there's a lot and an ever changing amount of things that one can speak to and have insight on. And by the way, a lot of investors are really then looking to the money managers to other investors for that insight. And you know, the best way I think people often come to their own conclusions is to hear a lot of different perspectives. Think about your content and your content agenda through that lens, and that's a good way to do it.
0: Absolutely. So we got this great content we're creating. Let's talk about channels and means of distributions. What sorts of platforms, channels, do you think it's valuable in this space to build an audience on? And you know, which ones are, are you really excited about when it comes to even some emerging channels?
1: There's a different answer to that for if you're talking about a much broader client base, if you're talking about retail and individual investors and things like that versus institutions. If you look at all of the money in the world, it's basically like 90, 95% of it is in 20 countries in the world, and it's with like 5,000 names. That's interesting because there are a lot of investors, but really if you kind of define it in that institutional way, it's it's a limited number in a little limited number of places. Um, And certainly kind of the general, you know, businesses and people are well-served I think to develop their brands on platforms like LinkedIn and maybe Twitter to some extent, it has a big financial angle to it a news angle to it and so forth. And just kind of more broadly it relates to just media getting your name out there and getting your thoughts out there and all of that. Because again, while someone may work at a pension fund they are themselves likely an investor and kind of financial media is much more broad beyond investing to lots of different things and has such a wide audience. But as it relates to institutional investors, I mean, I've been saying this for, um, you know, most of my career because this topic comes up a lot uh, and, you know, my answer has continually been, I should probably see if I could figure out the answer to this question, but the answer has been, I think there's, it's a right for disruption in that regard. So on the one hand, you know there are some platforms that are trying to take things like the Twitter orientation, but much more content, but also with the investments and kind of bring it together. So there's a a group out of uh, California called Prometheus that's doing that and others. Um there are um, you know, outside of of institutions, there's a lot of that happening on the retail front. And so I think there's the opportunity that you you know that that question will be answered in a few years and say, oh, this is, you know, if, if you're if you're in this space, you need to be on, you know, this platform or that platform or building an audience here or there. And then I also think the other, it's a, a little bit related to your question is, I also think there has always been a big need that client base that I described is somewhat limited in a sense. The data and analytics that go along with it are very, very underdeveloped. Shockingly so for a business, that for a, an area where technology and data are so important. You have platforms that have spent a lot of time on this for giving investor, giving investment firms and investors intelligence, like with intelligence or prequin or fintrix in the family office market. I think there's something there too. Those data platforms have an opportunity to create their own platform and channel and you know audience creation and sort of all of that. But I think it's still early, but I've been saying it's early for a long time. And so I don't know. I think there's that. And then I also see that there are more and more firms that are also trying to partner with investment managers to do the parts of the process, the hard parts. On money management, a big slog is figuring out, hey, for the thing I do, does it fit with an underlying investor? Does it fit right now? Is it something that I'm talking to the right person? And so there are groups like Murano Connect, headquartered out of London, that do that work on a bespoke basis for you and then bring technology into the fold. Uh, Of the names I mentioned, we know all of them. There are probably others, but I do think, one, the audience building is important. Even if your client base is limited, you still want to be doing that broadly. But as it relates to just within that sphere, it's still early.
0: So as we're wrapping up here, what are things that are top of mind for you when it comes to tracking performance, measuring your success, we hitting targets? What are those goals and metrics that you're thinking about?
1: I have a lot of PTSD with metrics, as I'm sure a lot of people do, because metrics often become science experiments and they become overly complicated and overly cumbersome and then no one ends up looking at them, and then you reinvent them. And so I've been through that movie enough times to finally say the definition of insanity is going to be to try this again in the same way and expect a different result. When I think about uh, metrics, I think about really the car dashboard. It's like it should be pretty simple. You've got your speed and your fuel, and is your engine overheating, and is there anything else wrong, in which case the warning light will go off. And then another aspect of metrics is you can measure almost anything, And often they become like a laundry list thing. Like, oh, why don't we look at this? Why don't we look at this? But really they should answer questions that you have. As it relates to me and my team at the highest level, we're just trying to understand like, look, are we getting out there? And when we're getting out there, are they good quality touch points? And if those two things are true, also are we raising money or not? And it's that simple. And if if you think about like a nuclear power plant, you know, they got that one dial or at least on the Simpsons, they do that's like, is the plant like overheating? Or is it okay, right? And at the top level, you kind of need it to sort of be that simple. But then you can kind of unpack it from there. Like, obviously, the nuclear engineer on, you know, this, in this location is going to be looking at lots of different things that all feed into that. So you want to also have it where you if you are looking respectively, at different levels of detail, it all ties into that. So as an example, on the are we having touch points? You can measure like calls and meetings, but you can also look at like, okay, who in our universe are we touching versus not? Do we know who they are? How many times have we talked to them? So there are, there's a, a little level of detail you can get to create a complexion of that. But I think ultimately you want it to, to be that simple. The last point being that nobody necessarily intuitively likes metrics. So, there's always like a little bit of a pushback of like, well, why are you, you know, is that narrow? Why are you just measuring that? What are you looking at here? And so, again, sorry for so many analogies, but you also don't want to like follow the GPS into the lake. Like, these are all just a sense check. I'm not just going to manage the power plant by looking at the one dial. I'm going to be looking at it. They just really supplement the dashboard, supplements you driving the car. You don't drive the car through the dashboard, right? So, that's how I think about metrics.
0: Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it and great analogies I love it It's been awesome to have you on thanks so much for sharing all your insights and uh, you know wisdom here really appreciate it
1: look I appreciate you having me on and uh, this is a big you know my not only professional passion but a big part of my personal passion uh, and so I love what you guys are doing and uh, appreciate it absolutely.